My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. For the next three weeks, I want to do a series of messages about Jesus, inspired by some of the claims that are brought out in the movie. And today we're going to be looking at who Jesus is. Is he really the Son of God? Is this really who he is? And that was obviously the question then, and it still is the question today. You'll remember as the trial proceeded, it produced several false witnesses. So I want to take you to the Bible this morning and read the biblical account. If you have uh, in your bulletin, you'll find a sermon outline that will help you, and the scriptures are in there also, just in case you don't have a Bible with you. Matthew chapter 26 Verses 59 to 63, we'll start with those. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. Though many false witnesses came forward, finally two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? At Jesus' trial, they were looking for false evidence. Many witnesses came forward, the Bible says, and It also said that in the movie. So they could put him to death. That was their motivation. That was their goal. 2,000 years later, 
people are still making false claims about him. They say that he was a good moral teacher, but that's it. There's some who say that he didn't even exist. It was just a myth. It was made up. Others of his followers, or others say his followers, made him to be a whole lot more than he was. <laughs> they say Jesus was good, but his followers say that he was the Son of God. Jesus did good things, but his disciples said that he did miracles. They say that Jesus died on the cross, and his disciples say that he was resurrected. These are some of the claims that are even flying around today. I want us to pick up the story where we left it off in Matthew chapter 26. Remember he's standing in front of the high priest. And here's what it says, starting with verse 63. But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus had remained silent during the first false accusations. Now Caiaphas, who was a high priest, said, and he acted as prosecutor, judge, and jury. He said, Jesus, you better answer under oath. Tell us if you really are the Son of God. And Jesus does answer when he says, yes, I am who you say I am. And if you saw the movie, you saw that at this, at this point, pandemonium broke out the high priest began to tear his clothes apart. He cried out and said, and the people cried out with him. They yelled at Jesus, they spit on him, and they hid him. Let's continue to read the scriptural account. Verse 65, then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit on his face and they struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now let me ask you a question. Why did all this happen? Why did the pandemonium break out. As far as the religious leaders were concerned, Jesus just confessed to the ultimate crime. He said, I am the Son of God. I am who you say I am, and this was blasphemy as far as they were concerned. 
Let me just tell you this. He would have been far more accepted if he had said, I am a mass murderer. But he said, I am who you say I am. And that's the question we want to answer today. Is he really the son of God? George Gallup did a poll some time ago. 84% of the people who never ever attend church, 84% of them said they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he rose from the dead. 84%, they never go to church, but they believe that Jesus is who he said he was. It wasn't a secret. When he rose from the dead, everybody knew about it. The whole city of Jerusalem talked about it. The whole Roman Empire knew about it. There were at least 15 historical references to Jesus meeting and touching people, talking with people after his resurrection. So a lot of people saw him. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to you this morning? What does it mean to me in Missoula, Montana, in the year 2004? Well, it means three things. And you may want to jot these down in your notes. Number one, Jesus is who he claimed to be. He said, yes, I am who you say I am. Besides what we just read in the Word of God, there are many other references in the Bible that claim or, or point to the fact that he really is who he said he was. When Jesus was talking to Martha, her brother Lazarus had died, he was in the tomb. And he, and he had been dead for a few days and, and Martha was kind of chastising Jesus and saying, Lord, why didn't you come sooner? And Jesus looked at her and he said this, John chapter 11, verse 25. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's an amazing verse. What he's saying is, I want you to know that even if somebody dies, if they believe in me, they're going to have eternal life. They're going to live beyond this life. I think we all understand that life doesn't end here in this world, but we go on to another life. And that's what he's talking about. Now Jesus made some outrageous claims. He said things like, I'm God. I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the savior of the world. And some acknowledge that he was a good teacher. Some still acknowledge that. But let me tell you something. If, if you were a teacher and you stood right here and you began to teach people some moral principles and people looked at you and said, boy, you know, that guy really has it all together. He's a good teacher. 
But then one day you stood up here and you said, now, I, I want to go beyond where we were, and I want to tell you that I'm God. How many would get up and walk out of here as fast as you could get out? Sure you would. But Jesus made that claim. He said, I am who you say I am. And he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He claimed to be God, and his resurrection backs up his claim. He said he was who he claimed to be by rising from the dead. The second thing, Jesus has the power he claimed to have. Before Jesus went back to heaven, and we all understand that he came, he, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he said, I'm going to come back one day, and I'm going to take my church to be with me, those who belong to him. But before he went back to heaven, he met with his disciples, and he talked with them, and the Bible says some of them worshiped him, and some of them still doubted. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he's talking to these people, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many understand what all means? It means all, everything. Everything that God can do, I can do. All the authority that God has, he gave that authority to me. Because he is God, he could do anything that God could do. He didn't have to die, but he chose to die. The Bible says that he could have called for 12 legions of angels to come to his rescue. Now, if you've seen the movie, and as we read the scripture, you remember how brutally beaten he was. You remember how they laughed at him, how they scoffed at him. Remember the agony of his mother as she followed him. And in one case, when he fell on the cross, she went up to him. And remember all of these things, and then ask yourself the question, if he really didn't have to die, then why did he do it? Why didn't he just get up and say, you know, I'm tired of messing around with you, and I'm just not going to do it? Hello? We probably would have done that. We said, hey, forget it. You're going to treat me like this? Forget it. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 26. Verse number 53. He's talking about his life and his death. He said, do you not think, or, or do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 
And then he went on to say in John chapter 10, verse 18, no one takes my, he's talking about his life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. So he said, I don't have to die. I can choose not to. I could call for 12 legions of angels. They'd come and rescue me. I can put down my life. I can pick it up again. But I choose to go through with the death because why did he do it? Because he saw you and me and knew that without him, we, we would never, ever be able to be saved. He gave his life so that we would be saved. Now, the Romans killed him and put him in a tomb. They put a big stone in front of the tomb and they sealed it with a Roman seal. And they posted a guard there 24 hours a day. They were only trying to prevent the inevitable. They knew that something was going to happen, but they were going to try to stop it. But how many know they can't stop the resurrection? They couldn't stop him. He said, you, you can't stop me. I can lay down my life. I can take it up again. You don't have any ability to do anything about it. Now, the cross is no surprise to Jesus. It's all part of God's plan. After the resurrection, some women came to anoint his body, and they were talking about, how are we going to roll this stone away? How are we going to even get to his body? And here's what Jesus said or the angel of the Lord. But the angel answered and said to the woman, or to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, as he said, come see the place where they laid him. So number three, Jesus does what he promised to do. He said, I will rise again. And now as they come, he's, the angel said, come and see where they have laid him. Now let me ask you again, what is the difference? What, is, what difference does it make for you? Because Jesus is who he claimed to be, and as the power he claimed to have, and did what he promised to do, number one, my past can be forgiven. I said my past can be forgiven. Aren't you glad for that? I have a, we have a videotape this morning of Mike Halverson. Mike, I appreciate you coming in to do this. But Mike would like to tell you, and he's in the service this morning, how his life was changed by the power of God. Mike is the owner of M&M Auto. He and his wife are here this morning. Their lives have been changed by God. And I want you to just watch this video. For two years, my wife asked me to come to this new church. And I didn't want to go. 
in last year at this time about right now I was on my way home and I um, she had asked me to come to a play the passion play it was called and I didn't want to go didn't just didn't she had prayed for me to join the church or just start going back to church and do something and on my way home that evening I turned my truck around I don't know why. I drove back into town and I drove here to the Christian Life Center and I walked in the back door. I didn't know anybody. I, it was dark and the play was on and I watched. I, I truly felt Jesus in this building. I truly felt the Lord inside of me. I, I watched the play. I watched Jesus die on the cross for us. And uh, I was absolutely unable to, my feelings, I, I was crying, panting like a child crying, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I saw here at the Christian Life Center. And I called on my cell phone for my wife. I wanted her so bad to be here. God, I wanted her here. And I told her, I said, honey, God, I'm at the church. Please come here. Please come to the Christian Life Center. And she didn't answer the phone. And the play ended, and I was crying, and I was sitting in the back left-hand side of the church, and I got up, and I walked, and here she was. My wife was in the front of the church in the right-hand side, and I didn't know, we didn't know each other were there. And from that time on, the Christian Life Center, the, 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 the fellowship, the things that my wife had prayed for, and it got me to come back to the church. The, the Lord, I felt him here, and I felt each time I came to church, Pastor Chan, Pastor Chan would relay that that message to me, that, that, that the Lord was here, and the Lord wanted me. And, and that fact that my wife prayed, that, that all of this time, and, and we truly a miracle again that I came to church, that the Lord was here, that she was here, and that I wanted so bad for her to be here. The, the best part was is the fact that I gave myself to the Lord. I knew all these things I had, all of the material things that I had in my life, all of the stuff that I knew that were not not important to me anymore. The, the one thing is the Lord Jesus in my life has now made the difference of all of the pain and suffering I've had from accidents or anything. Everything has come to the Lord in that these things that I used to think were important or, 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 or something, the, the the Lord Jesus himself is the only thing now that is important. The second thing is that what the Christian Life Center has done for me, the, the, the togetherness, my marriage with my wife, the, the friendship and love for my, my son. When I was in the Catholic Church, I went to the Catholic Church to, I was having problems and, and they had nobody to help, nobody to answer, and, and virtually said, 
go to a doctor, go to a psychiatrist, go to somebody. But when I came to the Christian Life Center, they surrounded us with help. They, they called us to have us come in. They had groups for us to be in. The strength of my marriage is now better than it's ever been. And, and the relationship, my business has prospered. My true friends, the friends that are the friends in God are, are the, my true friends as I find out. And now the miracle of the Lord is, is that if I can just help one person to join the Christian Life Center, they'll realize the Lord is here. The Lord will pass that on to you and that you, like myself, can be saved and that you'll find out how important your life is. Mike and Suzanne, why don't you stand up so people can see who you are. I, I want them to know you're a real person. You're not just up on the screen. Okay. <clears throat> and Mike told me that after 47 years of searching, it wasn't this church that saved him. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who came into his life. And so what we're talking about this morning really happens. It can happen to you if you're searching the same way as he did. Now here's some wonderful news in the Bible. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins that's all of us that's the way we were born we're born in sin we are spiritually dead and because you are not free from the power of your sinful self some of you find that you're doing things that you don't want to do but you do them anyhow because you're bound by your sinful self god made you alive with christ that's what happens that's what happened to Mike. And he forgave all your sins, not just some of them, but all of them. And he canceled the debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ took your sin. And if you saw the movie, he, when he was nailed to the cross, your sins were nailed to the cross with him, and he, he, he will pardon you if you will ask him to. He took care of it all for you. This is God's pardon program. And when he died that terrible death, it was for your sin. I've heard numbers of interviews with Mel Gibson, and one of them was somebody asked him, they said, how come it was, your, it was you that took the hammer and, and actually nailed, nailed the nail into his hand. Why did you do it? That's the only part of the play that he did. And he said it was because my sin put him there. And I want to tell you something, friend. It was your sin and it was my sin that put him there. 
He took and he nailed your sin to the cross so that you could be set free from your sin. Jesus paid for my guilt. And it means that I don't have to pay for it any longer. I don't have to live in condemnation anymore because of what Jesus did. He says, I want to forgive your past. Because Jesus is who he said he is. All of my past can be forgiven. And that's what happened to make me and to make hundreds of people in this room born again believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So now those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. You were guilty before, but now because you are in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to be guilty. You're not judged guilty. The second thing that he wants to do for you, my future can be secured. Not only does he forgive my past, but he secures my future. One of the universal problems we've all got is death, and most of us don't like to talk about it. We don't sit around having discussions about death, even though it's inevitable, it's going to happen. One, one day we're going to die, and you, you know, maybe in this church we'll have the coffin and, and, and we'll say some things about you. But what really happened when you died? Where, what, what really took place? Well, the Bible tells us. Sometimes, you know, we get so busy with life that, that we really don't stop to get ready for death. And it's an inevitable thing. Listen to what Job said in Job 14, verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? Have you ever thought about that? Have you, that crossed your mind? You know, when I die, what's going to happen? Is that the end? Is that, is that all there is to it? Well, obviously not. Jesus answered when he was talking to Martha at Lazarus' grave, chapter 11 of John, let's go back to it again, verse 25 and 26, because she asked that question, what, what, what's going to happen to Lazarus? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will have life even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now he's talking about eternal death. How many know that after you die physically, you're going to live on either in a place called hell or a place called heaven? And that's why Jesus came to die, so that you could have eternal life with him. Jesus once asked his disciples a, a crucial question. He said, what do people say about me? Who do they say that I am? And his disciples said, well, some say that you're Elijah, come back to life. Some say that you could be John the Baptist, come back to life. Some even say you might be Jeremiah, 
come back to life, or maybe one of the other prophets. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? Listen, Matthew 16, verse 15 and 16. But who, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. Once again, he said, yes, I am the Son of God. Blessed are you for understanding that. Let me just say to you this morning that all of us are going to have to answer that question. Let me ask you, who do you say that Jesus really is? It's not enough to just intellectually believe in the existence of God. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is, a, there is one God good or big deal. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. Yeah, you, you say, well, I, I believe there's a God. 84% of the people said they believe there's a God. 84% of them said they believe that Jesus was resurrected, that he is the Son of God. But did they have, do they have a relationship with him? Do you have the kind of experience that Mike talked about, where Jesus came and changed his life Old things passed away, and behold, all things have become new. What if everything that I said or everything you saw in the movie was a complete hoax? Let me ask you a question. What would you have to lose by accepting it? But what if everything you saw and everything I've talked about this morning is the truth. What would you have to lose by rejecting it? Everything. Because the wages of sin is death. That is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why else Think about this. Why else would Jesus have suffered like he did if there was any other way to save you? But because the wages of sin is death, and he took that place of death for you so that you could live. And all he asks of you is that you come and accept that and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The one you saw being beaten and hanging on a cross rose again and ascended into heaven. And he, the Bible says he's preparing a place for us that where he is, we could be also. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through me. Have you come that way? 
If not, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. Let's bow our hearts together. Help me never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. 